Hi everyone, welcome back to Should I Call a Therapist? I'm Jane Margaret. Uh, today I decided I'm going to set the stage and I'm going to introduce you to my immediate family by giving you the seating chart for how we rode in the car, predominantly to church. Every Sunday we had to go to church. Every Sunday, uh, we were raised uh, German Catholic. And my dad, both my dad and my mother, very good Catholics. And they both came from uh, strong Catholic families with that type of upbringing. Um, my mother had the Catholic guilt that a woman carries. My dad, uh, very strict with the religion. So we did not miss church ever, ever, ever. Even if I spent the night out at a friend's house, my dad had to come pick me up on Sunday morning to get to church. I had to take the clothes. We had to look pristine um, to go to church. We always dressed real nice. And we went to this downtown um, church. It was always so embarrassing because we went to this downtown church that none of my friends went to. All of my friends went to, if they went to church, all of my friends went close to home. And we had to go all the way downtown, which is four miles. We lived in a pretty urban neighborhood in San Antonio, Texas. But that it still made for a car ride. And also spending the night at friends' houses, the mothers would be so upset that we had to wake up in the morning she had to set an alarm etc my friend leslie i mostly spent the night at her house and her mother would have a fun saturday night and then still have to set the alarm to get me up for church so anyway we would ride to church our car was a 1973 chevrolet impala now depending on your age you might not know what that is. Uh, some of you will absolutely remember. It was a giant boat. And cars made in the 70s were actually metal. They had giant metal bumpers. And so this car was white, four doors, and blue. I'm going to call it nalgahide. That's a term my dad uses, nalgahide. I don't really know what that means. It was not leather. But it wasn't fabric either. It was something that your legs stuck to in the hot Texas summers. I do remember that. This car was so long. And it was my mother's car, but it was our nicest car. And so that's the one that was very washed, pristine inside and outside. And we drove it to church. Now, my dad was always the driver when the whole family was riding in the car together. I forgot to tell you that I'm the youngest of three. So I have a brother, the oldest, sister, they, those two are only 15 months apart and they're six and seven years older than me. And then was me, the baby. And they always called me the baby. Oh, the baby, the baby, you know, all that. That, that typical term of being the youngest with such a large age gap. So anyway, we would ride in the car and it started out that all three kids were in the back seat. Now, this car was so giant that there was plenty of room in the back seat for the older two to be next to the doors and for me to be in the center. But, um, and all of us to have all of our own space. But those two could not 
leave, and it's probably true of every family and kids growing up, those two could not stop just slapping, touching, fiddling, messing with one another. Or then they would turn it and do it to me. And the second, I remember this for sure with my brother. I'm not positive about my sister. But my brother would get his hand just next to my shoulder like he was going to pinch me. And I would start screaming bloody murder. And my dad did not have the patience or the um, physical makeup of being like tolerant of that. He hated any loud noises. Children were not allowed to speak. We were only to be seen, not heard. And so any disturbance in the backseat was a nightmare to my dad's um, patience, tolerance, and just his, uh, his, uh, he was furious. He would get furious. And so either he would reach his hand all the way back in the backseat and pop my brother or the voice. My dad had a voice that was so terrifying. And when he was stern and when he meant business, whoo, he'd come out and it was it was super scary. So if he used the voice, I mean, it was terrifying. And none of us ever wanted to be in trouble. My sister and brother always were in trouble, but I really couldn't stand it. It stressed me out. So finally, they moved me to the front seat. So <laughs> I sat in the front seat. And I mean, I don't know how many times I've ridden in the car. They finally figured this out. But it finally came down to whenever we got in the car, the two, my brother and sister, they'd get in the back seat. They'd sit on their opposite sides of the car. They had, I mean, it was almost like a king-size bed. Like if you can imagine how big a king-size bed would be and the two people are on their opposite sides. That's how my sister and brother fit in the car. <laughs> they were so far apart. And then my parents would be in the front seat with me right in between them. <laughs> it, the three of us, my two parents and I, would sit in the front seat and I was so smug up there. Woo! That gave me so much street cred. Because I was up there and I just looked straight ahead and I didn't have to be in the back with those banshees or those nuts. And we just adulted and went to church and those two would get in trouble or do whatever they were doing or pinch or slap or whatever they were doing, call names. Usually they were placing bets back there. A lot of bet placing. I remember because it was be Sunday. And so during football season... They would put $1 on the Denver Broncos or the Dallas Cowboys or whatever. They were always betting back there. No telling what was happening. And then the three of us would just sit up front. Sometimes I'd help hold my dad's coffee while he was driving, whatever it was. But whoo, we meant business in the front seat. It was business in the front, party in the back. <laughs> so funny. So anyway... That was getting to church. And then at church, I always sat. I don't remember if I sat in between my parents. I don't think so because that would be boring. I think I sat next to my mother because she was real nice. And then I sat next to my sister. And she was second nicest. And then she would pinch me. 
I don't know why I thought she was nice. I'm sitting here thinking, why was she so nice? Because she's only nice today. I don't know that she was nice growing up. She always pinched me. And then my dad's arm would swing across all of the children. I mean, he could reach his arms across three people. And he would put his his hand on your skull and turn your head to face the front. Ooh, that was so scary. Super scary. Anyway, those are the players within my family. And it gives a real good observation to, we were terrified of our parents, but my sister and brother could not control themselves, so they would still get in lots of trouble. I got my smug personality real early, and they really gave me my wings. It it showed me that I was like a higher... At least, this is what I thought. I was a higher, top-tier member of the family than those two in the back. Like, you know what? You're worthy of our company. You sit with the adults. Now, don't speak. And don't be cute. Don't get clever. But uh, you're going to be up here. We're going to protect you. And those two can stay back there and duke it out. Fight it out. So that's how it went. And I cannot wait to tell you my mother's voice. Well, I can, I can tell you this real fast, that uh, the way that we've always described it is in the rotisserie bucket of chicken of life. Did I say that right? The rot- in, the, in the, I'm sorry, in the bucket of chicken of life, there's two kinds. There's rotisserie and there's crispy. My whole family, my brother, my sister, my dad, and I, we're the Krispies. My mother is the rotisserie. She is beautiful. She is um, never seen the sun, never, ever seen the sunlight. And so her skin is porcelain white. She has not a wrinkle so many times. And today she's in her 80s, early 80s, but she... Uh, I mean, has never, people will ask, you know, how many facelifts has your mother had? She's never had a facelift. She's never done anything. Lots of Lancome. That's always been the joke in our family. Lots of Lancome. She knows her way to that, um, what used to be Foley's. She knew how to get to that Foley's makeup counter and get her Lancome. She's always had elixirs and creams and potions and all of that. But also... In her rotisserie ways, she is, I don't want to say she's too good for us, but she definitely is not in on the joke. She is not in on the joke. She is not in on any of our banter. She's not in on any of it. She doesn't have time for it. She um, is completely uninterested. And this also is a common theme through our family because it also tells you why um, my brother, my sister, nor I have children. (laughs) because this is our genes that was passed on to us we are not maternal she was not maternal we are not maternal my sister has a maternal quality to her um she of any of us she has the most maternal quality and i only say that hesitantly because i mean all of us are still who we are so anyway my mother's rotisserie we're crispy and when i hear my mother speak And this will be a recurring thing. But when I hear my mother speak, she speaks in an English accent. And when I hear her, she says, Jean, Jean. And that's 
her saying Jane. And she says, Jean, I do not speak like that. How dare you give me that voice? And she's always irate in my ears. I'm not saying that my mother actually speaks irate. And, and if we can ever get her on here, you will die. Because she does kind of have that voice. And yet, she's not irate. But really, honestly, she is. She's always irate. And she's always, what are you saying? And then sometimes with her friends, she has the sense of humor of Rose Nylon from the Golden Girls. She gets a little down and dirty, but not with her kids and not with her husband and just in the lunchroom at work. So anyway, that's my mother. And you will hear a lot about Mary. That's Mary. You'll hear a ton about her because she is, in my mind, she is hysterical. Now, we always have a Sunday phone call. Now, um, that is only my sister and I and my parents. I can go back and tell you that when my brother, so when I was born, my sister was five, my brother was six. And they were with my dad in my grandmother's house. I don't have any clue how my mother got to the hospital. My mother was at the hospital and my everyone else was at my grandmother's house and they were just having their usual six o'clock happy hour. I was born at 641 and, and this is a Monday. And then um, they call from the hospital and no one tells my sister and brother the gender of the baby. And so they are so excited. My mother's having a baby. They're now old enough to understand what's happening. They, they're following all of this. And, you know, the whole nine months of, of my mother being pregnant. So now the baby has been born. They get the call. And my dad, straight from happy hour, puts the children in the car. And he drives over to the hospital. All the way to the hospital. My sister has told me this a few times. All the way to the hospital, those two are placing bets. Is it a boy? Is it a girl? Is it a boy? Is it a girl? My sister's like, it better be a girl. My brother, it better be a boy. Both of them just back and forth, back and forth. And they get to the hospital and they say, guess what? It's a girl. And that started my brother's journey to creating his own life. He, he was done with this family. He was over it right then. He was all the way outnumbered, and he was furious. So today, when we have our family phone calls, he is not on it. My brother has, since, since he was six, danced to his own beat. He does his own thing. He sometimes feels left out, but he also doesn't do anything to improve it. I've invited him to the family phone call on Sundays. I have, we invite him everywhere and he shows up to some occasions. He doesn't show up to absolutely everything. He picks and chooses when he's going to be present and how much he's going to participate while he's there. And everyone in my family has left him alone. And I mean that in a respectful way. Everyone just respects his space. And he, as a child, he found friends outside of the house and he was gone. And he was one of those kids that he would leave in the morning and then be home at night. My dad, <laughs> my dad would stand on the front porch <laughs> in that booming, booming voice and fell up Lois Ridinger. He would yell his name 
on the front porch of our house. And I mean, I don't know how many blocks away my brother was, but that's how my dad, we didn't have cell phones and my dad wasn't going to call the house wherever my brother was. So he would stand on the front porch and just yell his name at the top of his lungs to come home for dinner. We always had dinner together and we always sat, we always had iced tea. That was the drink. And we had salad. It had carrots. My dad insisted on raw carrots in the salad. I would then um, sneak off to the front porch and throw them off, probably attracting wildlife. I don't know. But I was not eating those raw carrots. Gross. And um, today I'll eat a raw carrot. But back then, no way. They're good for your eyes. I do not care. No, thank ya. So anyway... Uh, that's how it worked. That's how the house worked. That kind of gives you a glimpse, a little snapshot into how the house worked, how things were run. Um, probably provides a lot of questions. Again, this always begs the question of, should she be telling us this or should she just call a therapist? Because honestly, this is the stuff for a therapist to work out. And yet, I'd rather just share it with you. So anyway, that's it. That's all I've got for them. We will get back to them. They are, they are the thread and, and really the fabric of who I am, obviously. And I never have escaped them. They, I've tried and tried and tried. And um, I love them. So anyway, thank you. We'll chat soon. Bye.